0: Welcome to the Jersey Arts Podcast. I'm Susan Wallner. Maria Macziati Gillen has been writing poetry for years, but says she only really got started in her 40s. Her poems are rooted in the city of Patterson, where she grew up in an Italian immigrant community. She returned to found the Poetry Center at Passaic Community College, where she's the executive director. She's published over 20 books by and about poetry. What Blooms in Winter is her latest. I spoke to Maria about what writing poetry does for her that keeps her coming back. Thank you for talking with me today.
1: Thank you, Susan. It's wonderful to talk with you.
0: Your latest book is called What Blooms in Winter, and in it you have some poems about one of your first jobs. Can you tell me about that?
1: My first job was in the Patterson Public Library and it's a beautiful building. If you've ever seen it, it's just beautiful. It's full of artwork and, and wonderful, wonderful things that I love to read. Uh, so for me, it was a a major thing to get a job in the Patterson Public Library. You know, we shelved books and I was fast. So there were glass steps. I'll never forget them. And the light used to come through the steps and I'd fly up the steps. Of course, I was really thin and young and I would fly up those steps. I'd finish shelving the books and then I'd read for about 10 minutes. Don't tell Miss Cherry. Uh, I'd read for about 10 minutes. So, and they were the wonderful, wonderful poetry collection. And it was a, it was an education in itself just to be in those stacks and reading those books. It was an amazing experience for me.
0: So how old were you then and why poetry? I was
1: 13. I started loving poetry. I went to school. I didn't speak English. So when I got to school, I loved hearing books read out loud in English because my parents couldn't do that. And so... Um, I fell in love with the way English sounded. I loved Italian. Italian was the language we spoke at home. But I loved the sound of English. I loved the sound of English in poetry. Uh, the teachers would read to us and there are poems that are very much out of out of style. Under the spreading chestnut tree, the village Smithy stands. Who reads that anymore? Nobody. But I loved it.
0: Your childhood, And your past, including your experiences at the library, are like a great source of material for you. When did you start realizing that? When did you start turning to your past as a
1: source? It took me a while because first, you know, I was in graduate school. I I was majoring in literature. I thought I had to be very esoteric. I thought I had to mention Greek gods. I thought I had to have all this very intellectual because i had to prove i wasn't just a kid who didn't speak english from a lower class house where we didn't have any money (laughs) you know the house was heated by a coal stove i and that was my image of myself as this little foreign kid and so i kept having to prove to myself that i was smart and try to prove to other people that i was smart so my my first poems were really very much focused outward rather than inward and then when my first book was published, a graduate school professor said to me, "You know, in this poem about your father, you find the story you have to tell." It was I was forty, and suddenly a light goes off in my head. I thought, "Hmm, maybe people might be interested in the stories of a wife, a mother, uh, a daughter, a granddaughter, uh, a child of immigrants, uh, a person who was poor when they were growing up." And I started. Looking back at the past for me in a way, some of those experiences from the past have gotten clearer and clearer, the older I've gotten. And I found that people write to me from all over the country. I, I really miss Garrison Keillor because he read a lot of my poems on the writer's almanac and then people would write to me about them and say, oh, that's my experience. I, that's what I want when I'm writing to really build a bridge between my experience and other people's experience. I don't think I would have done that if that professor in graduate school hadn't said, uh, you, you, this is the poem that really works right here. Now the others I thought were very esoteric. He said, no, this is what you need to write. And so I really more and more, I got more and more courage to explore the past and explore my memories of the past. And it took a certain amount of courage. I mean, I've tried to be a truth teller in my poetry, which was very hard for me to do in the beginning. My mother said, Don't write any poems about me unless you make up a past of richness. (laughs) It is a richness, but it was a different kind. She just wanted me to make up some past where we were affluent, which I don't know anything about being affluent, so I couldn't really write about that.
0: What are your feelings about Patterson now? I mean, you. Growing up, you wanted to get away, and then you did get away.
1: I did. Then you You, came back. I came back because um, it seemed to me that it was a place that needed needed poetry more than anything, more than I needed to get away. And when I came back, first I came back in 1976, and I was an adjunct at Posey County Community College, and I taught. Full time before my children were born, but then, you know, to get back in to teach full time was very hard. So, uh, I was an adjunct in all these different schools, and one of the places was Patterson at Passaic County Community College. And when I started the Poetry Center, people said, "Who is going to come to Patterson for poetry? Nobody's, nobody's coming there. They're not going to come there." And I think I proved them wrong because we're uh, uh, officially we started in 1980. And so it's 38 years it's been going on. And it's known really, not only in the United States, but it's known in Europe as well. It's been a wonderful journey for me.
0: When you write a poem, where do you start?
1: Where do I start? I I try to get, I think you have an old lady who lives in your belly, a wise old woman. If you try to start with your brain, you wreck the whole thing. You have to let the poem go where it wants to go. You have to listen to that instinctive part of yourself. I might start by reading a book and then all of a sudden something in the book will give me an idea and I will start to write, but then I never know where it's going. I never know where that particular idea or thought is going to leave me. And I try not to control it with my brain. And as I write, I write faster and faster. I write by hand. And I write faster and faster and faster. When I start to cry, I know I've reached the cave. I think there's a cave inside us too, where all our stories are, all the good things that ever happened to us and all the bad things are there. And we have to be willing to go inside there. It's dark, it's scary, it's frightening. It would be easier to ride the surface, which I'm afraid that a great deal of American poetry and a great deal of poetry in the world is much more interested in language than it is in getting to that very deep place, human place inside us. I want to write from that human place. And I don't want the sensor in my own head to be trying to tell me what I can write and what I can write about. So it, it's, my husband was sick for a long time. And for a long time, I didn't know if I had permission to write poems about his illness. But then I thought, well, you're, you're giving yourself permission to write about everything else. And this is something a lot of people face, a devastating illness of 25 years and what that does and how that changes your life. And so I started writing about it. Um, and I wrote a book called The Silence in the Empty House. I wrote it really as poems I wrote after he died and when he was dying. And I showed it to a friend of mine and she said, oh, you can't publish that. I thought, oh, my mother uh, (laughs) is here telling me, don't publish this. So I showed it to him and he said, yeah, publish it. He said, other people need to hear this. So he gave me permission to do it and I did it. It was a little scary and reading the poems out loud was really frightening, Uh, but I've gotten through a lot of things and I got through that by sort of saying, I'm going to do this and I'm not going to think about what I'm reading. I will just read this.
0: Wow. So what is one of the poems in, in this most recent book of your new poetry that you were surprised about or went to a place that you had forgotten?
1: They, they they almost all, I have to say, go to a place that I didn't think I was going to when I started the poem. Because sometimes you don't know where the poem is going to go. Often you don't know. For example, I started a poem about my grandson. And I took him to Italy with me for three weeks. And we went to Sicily first. And then we went to to Rome. And then we went to the town my mother came from. Anyway, I'll, I'll read a little bit of this. This summer in Italy you helped me up steps. Let me hold your arm as we walked the cobble-toned streets of Italian hill towns. I wanted to give you a gift of the Italy I love. How easy it is to believe what we want to believe, about the way people see us, what they feel. For years I held on to the image of you at seven years old in your North Carolina house. You walked past me in your family room, backed up, looked at me with huge violet eyes. I love you, grandma, you said, or the way you grabbed your pillow and overnight bag because you wanted to stay with me at the hotel when I visited you so much sweetness, always coming off you such an open, loving heart. Uh, And I'm going to skip some, um, I am happy to walk with you to watch you try new foods and, and food in Rome. At my favorite restaurant we have dinner together and you drink your glass of champagne and mine. Suddenly, you turn to me and tell me everything your mother and father say about me, all the things that are wrong about me, all the things that are wrong about me. Too busy, too loud, too enthusiastic, all the things I should have done. And in the restaurant where I will never be able to go again. I was afraid I wouldn't be able to read it. I start to cry. We leave the restaurant and you take my arm, but my throat clamps closed. I can't speak. How foolish I feel for believing you loved me as I was always loved you. Now, each night, I pray for you to do well in your classes, to be happy, to make friends. I love you no less, that whenever I think of you, I am sad for this loss, a cave that opens inside me too deep and dark ever to fill. Mm. It was a wonderful time, but it was also, it was horrible to find out what my son-in-law, I don't think, he didn't intend to hurt me. Mm. He just had two glasses of champagne to which he was unaccustomed. And so everything they said came out. It was really, it was a little disconcerting to say the least.
0: What keeps you going back to the page? What keeps you writing poetry?
1: I really can't help it. I have to say, if they say you're waiting for the muse or somebody has a writer's block, I don't have writer's block. Uh, If I start writing something... I just keep going and I always write with my students. When my students write, I write, Uh, whether it's a graduate course or whether it's, I do these, these workshops up in Wanaku, in the Wanaku campus of PCC for mature adults. That means anybody 50 or over. And they're so successful that we started out doing a couple and now we're up to, I think six in the fall and six in the spring. And they're wonderful. But I write with them because I'll give them a prompt and then I write from the prompt. And I never know where's it going to go. I have no idea. And you can tell in a way, look at my titles. Christmas Eve at our house. It's my Gillum pot roast. What I can't tell my son. These are all things I give other people to write on. They say I have my mother's eyes. How sad I am. My sister loved to dance. My sister was the one. You know, these are all things that... What Blooms in Winter, you know, all the things. My mother was a brilliant cook. They're all things I gave other people to write about. And then I wrote about them myself. And I never really know where it's going to go. And I try to encourage my students to think of their hand and the pen as something that's carrying a message from their subconscious, which is down here for me. I guess I'm very Italian. I think it's in your belly. And there's a cave there. And you have to be willing to excavate it and find out what's there. And you never know what's gonna come back to you. If you let yourself go, these creatures come out of nowhere. I don't know where they come from. I don't know who they are, but suddenly there they are on the page, it's wonderful. It's having a whole new family that you've created on paper.
0: Well, thank you so much, Maria. That was fun, that was great, great to talk with you. Maria Mazziati gillen will be reading at the 2018 Dodge Poetry Festival. It's the largest gathering of poets in North America, taking place this year in Newark from October 18th through 21st. Visit dodgepoetry.org for festival updates and a full schedule. For more about all of the arts, visit jerseyarts.com. I'm Susan Waldner for the Jersey Arts Podcast. Thanks for listening.